morning, friends. Glad we're together again today as we wade back into the deep waters of Galatians. And before we do that, before we look at where the passages that we're going to look at today in Galatians 3, 14 through 4, verse 7, I want to give a little bit of an overview about the book of Galatians and kind of what we've been talking about over the last couple of months, why Paul wrote this particular book to the churches in Galatia. Christianity began as a Jewish messianic movement in Jerusalem, but its message was for all people. So quickly it spread beyond Israel. And by Paul's time as a missionary, there were as many non-Jews as Jewish people in the Jesus movement. In fact, in Acts chapter 15, there's a story recounted of this huge debate of this very issue. It's this mixing of multi-ethnicities, people outside Israel coming into what's known as the family of God. That was in the Council of Jerusalem where they debated that. And historically, the covenant people of God were focused on this one ethnic group, and that was the people of Israel. They were set apart by following the practices outlined in the Torah, circumcision of males, eating kosher, and observing the Sabbath on a weekly basis. And there were many Jewish Christians who believed that for these non-Jewish people that were coming into the church, into the Christian church in Galatia, for these non-Jewish people to enter into the family of God or the covenant family of God, they needed to observe these Jewish practices particularly the ritual of circumcision in the book of Galatians. And it was to these Christians in Galatia that Paul writes to explain God's plan, God's plan of redemption. Chapters 1 and 2 of Galatians are all about Jesus as the crucified Messiah. And we see in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul says this, he says, we know that A person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ or in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Remember for Paul, justification means declared righteousness. In other words, in being in right relationship with God, being forgiven and being given a place in God's family, and then being transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the grace of God and the work of the Spirit in your life. And because at the heart of Paul's gospel is the claim that when people put their trust in Jesus, what's true of Jesus becomes true for them. Paul talks about this in the book of Ephesians as well. He talks about it in Colossians chapter 3 when he talks about putting on Christ, putting on the clothes of Christ. Then in Galatians 2.20, we saw earlier about a month ago, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
And now, because of Jesus, all people can be part of the promise of this multi-ethnic family of God. And to explain this, Paul turns to a familiar story in the Bible, the story of Abraham. I think it's helpful to look at the Bible as one interconnected story of God, a story in four main parts. You've heard us talk about this before as we've talked through the the major themes in the Bible. This particular book is called The Mission of God's People. It's by Chris Wright. I highly recommend it. And what he talks about is that the story of God kind of exists in four main parts. The first main part was creation. Creation, Genesis chapters 1 and 2. When God created humanity, he created the, the world and all that is in it. He created what we know to be our physical existence. And in this creation narrative that Wright talks about, two main questions are answered. Where are we? One. Where are we? And who are we? Where are we? Adam and Eve originally were in the garden. Who are we? We are God's creation, created in his image in order to glorify him. And then the second main block of scripture, the fall, starts in Genesis chapter 3 and goes through Genesis chapter 11. And very quickly we see an escalation of the evil that has entered into the world. And all of a sudden humanity is at each other's throats on the verge of complete extinction by their own hands. And so God, once again, needs to enter in. And he enters in in Genesis chapter 12. That's where the third main block of Scripture comes into play. That's the block of redemption. And you may be familiar with this story, but God makes a promise to Abraham that through Abraham, he will be a blessing to the nations. And all peoples will be blessed through him. And so what Paul is doing here in this center section of Galatians is taking us back to this promise of God. And then the fourth block of scripture being new creation. We looked at that as we looked through the book of Revelation last fall. And we see the spirit at the center of what it means to be this holy, redeemed, newly created people of God. So that's where Paul is taking us. He's taking us through these big narratives of scripture and he's zeroing in on them right here in the book of Galatians. In fact, he says in Galatians chapter 3, starting with verse 6, the Bible foresaw that God would justify the nations by faith so that it announced the gospel to Abraham in advance, when it declared that the nations will be blessed in you. That was the Genesis chapter 12 that we just talked about. So you see the people of faith are blessed along with faithful Abraham. Paul is tying in this key story in the life of the Jewish people, in the life of the people of God. He's tying it into exactly where the people are in the church of Galatia. Then in Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, he says, this was so, this is why the, the Paul brought up Abraham, this was so the blessing of Abraham could flow through to the nations through King Jesus, in King Jesus, 
so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Do you see what Paul's doing here? He's taking these big themes in Scripture. He's taking creation. He's taking redemption. He's taking the story of Abraham. And now he's beginning to weave in the Spirit. And it's all through Jesus and being justified through Jesus by faith in him. So it begs the question. You might ask, as the Jewish Christians of Galatia did in Galatians 3.19, why then the law? And that's a good question. In fact, that's a question that people have asked for centuries. Why then the law? To which I believe Paul's answer is because of sin, or transgression it says in the NIV, until the seed to whom the promise referred to had come. Why then the law? Think about that. The law was given because of transgression, because of sin. Remember, Genesis 3 through 11 and on. The law was given in order that we would be able to have something that pointed us back to God until this seed or this promise was fulfilled. I think the NIV misses it a little bit here, the nuance here that Paul is driving at, because often we read seed and we think only of Jesus and the coming of Christ. And indeed, Jesus was the first fruit. But really, I think Paul means the seed as the covenant family of God. So the law had been given as a kind of babysitter, or some translations say guardian, meaning until the coming of Jesus, humanity, God's creation, all of us, needed some guidance. And the word Paul uses here, in the Greek it's called pedagogos. The word that Paul uses here in ancient Greek understanding means just that this person is there to keep an eye on the children. Think of it this way. In first century, in first century Palestine, there was what was known as the Potter Familia, and that was the, the household, okay, the Jewish household. And because of the customs of the day, it was typically led by the, the man or a father. And in this household, they would employ all sorts of people. They would have cooks and they would have people who cleaned for them and they might have, they would have different types of servants. And one of the servants was this pedagogos. It was, it was a, a servant or a slave, not, not a slave in the way that we think of a slave in, in 20th century United States, but a slave in terms of being a servant, a doulos. And, um, and this, this person would be in charge of the children looking after them. And the, the, the child, let's say the children needed to go to their teacher for a day. It would be this person that would guide the children on the way to meet the teacher or to school, so to speak. Not that they were this strict teacher. Sometimes we get this picture of this, this old school marm who's got a bun in her hair and she's sitting there, you know, whacking her hand with a cane or something like that. Not really the nuance that Paul's talking about here. This, was, this would be someone who was a welcomed member of the family 
would have had influence over the children in order to make sure that they got to the destination that they were needed to, needing to go. And that's why Paul says the law was given. The law is a type of babysitter that was given to lead the people on the right path until the coming of he who was intended to come, the fulfillment of God's promise. These, these household servants would watch after the children until they came of age or until they reached a time set forth by the father of the family. And doesn't that sound just like what God did for us through Jesus Christ? When the time was right for Christ to come, we entered into this promise that was made to Abraham. We entered into this promise that the people of God in the Old Testament, the Israelites, were looking forward to. And now we get to experience it in full. Paul says then in Galatians 3, 23 through 25, before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law or under rule of the babysitter, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law, Paul says, was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faithfulness, the faithfulness of Jesus, has come, which we saw on the cross, now that this faithfulness has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We are no longer in need of a babysitter. So in Christ Jesus, in King Jesus, we are all children of God through faith in Jesus. Paul says, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. He's talking about all the people of the churches in Galatia. He's talking about us as well. Because this promise is for all humanity. For all time, it was God's plan through this promise made to Abraham, through the promise made by sending his spirit, through the promise made by saying one day the Messiah will come to set this all aright, to set this all in motion, in fulfillment of God's plan. And that's for us. And this promise is for all humanity without distinction. That's why Paul says in Galatians 3.28, famous words that get often quoted, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And I think this passage often gets misquoted. Because if you look at this passage in the context of the book of Galatians, what Paul is saying is this. Everybody, through faith in Jesus, has access to the family of God. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're a slave or a pedagogue or a babysitter to the family or you're free or you're the owner of the house and the leader of the household. It doesn't matter if you are male or female. Remember one of the marks of being a covenant people of God, Israel in the Old Testament, was the mark of circumcision, which was for males. Paul is now distinguishing the males who felt that they were set apart by God 
simply because they were male. Paul's saying there's neither male nor female. That's why he's going to go on in chapters 5 and into 6 and really hit hard why circumcision means nothing. It's faith in Jesus. It's the faith of Jesus. It's the faithfulness of Jesus that gives us access to being part of the family of God. And Paul explains this further when he gets into Galatians chapter 4. I'm going to read from Tom Wright's Kingdom New Testament. Starting in chapter 4, verse 1, let me put it like this. As long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, even if, in fact, he is master of everything. He is kept under guardians and stewards until the time set forth by his father. Well, it's like that with us. When we were children, we were kept in slavery under the elements of the world. Why does Paul say that? When we were children. When we were under the law, until Jesus came, when we were under the law, we were like children who were kept in slavery under the elements of the world. What does that mean? I think Paul here is talking about what's going on in Palestinian context in the first century. In Galatia, in places like Ephesus, in places where he knew these these circular letters were going to be read, in in places where they needed to understand that that the elements of the world, the spiritual forces of the world, the, the, the Greek and Roman power structures of the world were keeping things in place, even as the, the Jewish customs and rituals were keeping things in place. And Paul wants them to know, in a pivotal verse in chapter 4, verse 4, Paul wants them to know that But when the fullness of time arrived, God sent out his son, born of a woman, born under the law. In the fullness of time, when the fullness of time arrived, if you look at that that timeline that we put up earlier, creation, and then we had the fall, and then we had redemption, this really long period, the fullness of time, when the fullness of time came, was when Jesus went to the cross. That was the fullness of time. That was the fullness of time for me. Because that was when I could enter into being fully justified in God's eyes through faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only way we get to be justified by God, through faith in Jesus Christ. When the fullness of time came, we had access to God because God sent his son born of a woman born under the law so that he might redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons what Paul is doing here he's saying he sent his son born of a woman he's actually starting to set the groundwork for his argument in the second half of chapter 4 and moving into the first part of chapter 5 God sent his son, Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born under the law. He was raised in Jewish customs. But it was because he was able to live that sinless, perfect life. And he was willing to give himself as a sacrifice for us upon the cross 
we then can enter into that sacrifice by clothing ourselves with Christ through faith in him and be justified and be welcomed into the family of God. That is an amazing statement for Paul to make, especially since he's writing to these Jewish Christians and these new non-Jewish Christians in the church in Galatia. And because, he says, you are sons, because you're sons and daughters now, God sent out the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So we're no longer slaves. We're no longer under the law. We're no longer held down by this this tough babysitter kind of keeping a close watch on us. We're not a slave, but we're a son. And if you're a son, you're an heir. If you're a son or a daughter, you're an heir to the kingdom through Jesus, through God, through God's plan of redemption all the way through. God told Abraham it would be through him that all the nations of the world would be blessed. Do you see that if God would have continued on through the law, that only the Israel people would have been able to enter into the promise of God? It was because the promise to Abraham came before the law, which was given to Moses some 430 years later. It was because the promise was given to Abraham that all the nations of the world would be blessed that we are welcomed into the family of God, that we are considered sons and daughters of the living God, that we now have, through the Spirit, the opportunity to have a transformed life. And one of the things we have to grasp out of what Paul is saying here, because he was saying this loud and clear to the church in Galatia, and I think he's saying it loud and clear to us today, is that we have to live transformed lives. We have to live as if we have received the indwelling of the Spirit into our bodies, which are His temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. And that indwelling of God has to transform our lives. It has to transform how we look at our world. It has to transform how we react or how we relate to one another. People in this new multi-ethnic family of God throughout the world, through for, because the blessing and the promise was for all the world, for all the nations. It's got to change how we live. I mean, this, this passage is so relevant to where we find ourselves today. If we could simply realize that each one of us, through faith in Christ, through the work that he did at the cross, through his faithfulness, if each one of us, male or female, slave or free, whoever it is, Jew or Gentile, no matter what color, no matter what race, we all have access to being a part of this family and being a part of the promise through Jesus. Through Jesus, we're heirs to the covenant promise that God made to Abraham. We're, we, are, we are heirs to this covenant plan of redemption that he put into place. And through Jesus, we have now received the Holy Spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit of the living God, the, the indwelling Spirit, God's empowering presence is in each one of us through faith in Jesus Christ so that we can live set free. We can live redeemed. And we can live a transformed life through the Spirit by the power of Jesus. Friends, if this 
if this passage doesn't excite you, then, I mean, th- this is the very central of the gospel for Paul. That no matter who we are, it's not what we've done. It's who we know. It's who we've put our faith in. And we've put our faith in Jesus Christ. And today, as you finish off your day with your family and you move on into the week in your workplace, think about the fact that God has set you free to live a transformed life in the power of the Spirit through Jesus and His work and the fulfillment that He brought to each one of us. It's for, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, Paul's going to say in Galatians 5. Let's live in that freedom together. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning and we are grateful and thankful that you have included us as part of the covenant promise that you made to Abraham so long ago. That through our faith in Jesus Christ, we now have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to help guide us throughout our lives, Lord. And we are now welcomed into the family of God through the covenant promises that were made. Lord, it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter where we grew up or what the color of our skin is or what our gender is, how much we make, where we live. Only thing that matters is that through Jesus and faith in him, we are justified, we are set free, and we are set apart to be welcomed into your family. We want to receive you, Abba, Father, with open arms. Come Holy Spirit in great measure. In Jesus' name. Amen.